Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people pursue and try and succumb to love. We are Jen Sanford and Kyle Marshall, two people who have nothing in common, but the belief that the pursuit of love is unnecessarily lonely. We're stronger together. And in this podcast space, we're going to do exactly that. Come together. We are not infringing on the copyright of the Beatles in that case. Um, True. But we should, we should also mention that we are completely unqualified and that should not be forgotten when listening to this podcast. That's very true. We're two extraordinarily ordinary people trying to find love and hope that you are too and want to join us on that adventure. You know, this week, Jen, we have the theme of approval that we are going to be discussing and breaking down. The big question, I suppose, here is how important is the approval of others in any relationship that you have, but specifically your romantic relationships. And I want to know what you think. I want to I'm dying (laughs) to know what you think of this question. How important is the approval of others in a relationship to you, Kyle? My mind goes in a million different directions. I have to say, though, that I come on the side of I actually think it's very important. I think that it is bringing undue stress into a relationship when you're also bringing in these people don't like you or them. It just is a whole pressure that I just feel should not be something that you also need to deal with. Uh, And maybe it's just the Shakespeare lover in me, but it's just like, you know, Romeo and Juliet could have made this happen if their families hadn't been such bastards. It wouldn't have been so dramatic, that's for sure. They would have just gone to Cancun and had a nice life. You know, they could have done their murder-suicide in a tropical location rather than stupid Verona. The other part of this is that I hate confrontation. Probably why I didn't talk to you for the first 18 months that I knew you. (laughs) (laughs) I just... Hate it. That's my personality. I can have disagreements and I can have arguments with people, but I absolute hate doing it. As an introvert, as a supreme introvert, when I have to have a disagreement, it is so much emotional energy that I am outputting that I actually need to go and have a nap. Like if I have to have an argument with someone, it's like bare minimum 90 minutes I have to go to my bed because I'm just so worn out on it. It just takes that much out of you. If it was a daily occurrence that I had to deal with that, I would hate it. I would hate it so much. So I guess the other other side of this is that I don't deny that if I was in a relationship and the majority of my friends or family were like, oh, we don't like them, then that might be actually a red flag. It's like, there's is there something that I'm just not picking up on? Like, maybe they're looking out for me in a very positive way. So it might make me reevaluate it a bit. However, if it's like, oh, you're dating a man and we don't approve of that, then kind of go fuck yourself at that point. So it it, it kind of does depend a little bit on what it is. You know, I don't have such rose colored glasses about it, I think, as you do. I think for me, you really have to look at the motivation of the disapproval. And is it genuine? Is it really because they're looking out for the best interest or is it because they don't like the change? I mean, I had a really good girlfriend who started dating a man who for a long time, I was like, I I don't like this. There's something about him that I don't like. And it wasn't until someone kind of put a mirror up to me that I realized that what I didn't like was that I was losing my friend, right? The Mm -hmm. the availability on Friday night, the, the, you know, all the time we would spend together, the fact that I could call and she'd call right back or we'd text all the time was coming to an end and I wasn't comfortable with the change. It had nothing to do with the partner. It had everything to do with me. That is such a great call out. The exact same happened with one of my best friends when they got a new girlfriend. It was like, "Mm, no, I don't don't like this. And the reason why I didn't like it is because he was spending a lot of time with her at the very beginning instead of spending time with me. Totally, totally. (laughs) I was like... Wow, I'm the selfish one, actually, in this in this scenario. It actually also reminds me 
I had this roommate many, many years ago, and she told this, I thought, kind of beautiful story about like her mother tragically like died of cancer, but then her dad actually started dating within six months. Like it was a very quick Ooh. second relationship. And that caused a lot of friction with her and her stepmother. I'm sure. But she's would, like, yeah. honestly, that was a lot of my baggage because that had nothing to do with her. And they eventually formed like a very strong relationship with one another. But it took some time. But it had to come to that point where it was like, oh, I don't like this because I still, of course, love my mom. My dad has chosen to date you, but that actually has no impact on what our relationship can be. I think so much of this, so much of the root of approval is checking yourself and understanding motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Like intention and motivation. Those are the two things that, that live in the ecosystem of approval. Listen, I'm a two-time survivor of in-laws, honestly, in both of my long-term <laughs> relationships. I don't know what it is about in-laws. It's like they can sense my fear. Actually, to be fair, like that sounds flippant, but to be fair, people have actually called out that it's almost like I want it so bad for my mm. own self that it becomes almost like a bargaining chip or like a leverage for power. You know, I, I don't want this to become a diatribe about mother-in-laws, but you know, when I was married, the I, old bad lax, no, right? No, <laughs> I, I really, when I was, when I was married now, and I was, I've mentioned this before, I was married very young. I worked so hard to make a good impression because that's how my own parents had raised me, right? You make a good impression, you be polite, you demonstrate that your intentions are very honest, that you're a good person, that this is a nice fit. And I feel like in the beginning, I really gave away all my power because it just said like the central tenets of this relationship will be dictated upon your approval of me dating your son. Mm -hmm. And it was really, truly awful. And And what continues to sort of confound me is that I know I'm a good person and I know that they were a good person, but we were stuck in this power structure of just complete unfairness. And it's only when I was separated away from it. And you hear people say this all the time. It's only then when that relationship was over and I had some time to digest that relationship that I had to ask myself, like, do I even have the ability to recognize unkind behaviors? Mm. Because I can think of a time when, I mean, I would have been 26, 27 years old and I remember trying so hard to get my sister-in-law to, to like me. And I would, I would go over with food. And when she had a baby, I tried so hard. There was like an uncalibrated cruelty to how she treated me. And I don't know why in that moment, I didn't have the cognition, like the, the situational awareness to say, this is unfair treatment. Like, why, why do I want this? It reminds me, actually, not too long ago, I was driving in Inglewood and they had this, this big billboard sign that says, why do you want everyone to like you? You don't even like everyone. And I just thought, yeah, that's so true. That's so poignant. And here I was, this young person who was trying so hard. I remember putting out flowers all in front of our new home. And she was a gardener and I wanted her to be like, oh, she's making this house a home. And I remember her coming up the front stairs and saying, these are the wrong flowers for the, the porch. This is a full sun porch and you bought half, you know, half sun and you're just going to kill these all in a week. And it was only until about 10 years later that I bolted up in bed and thought, why didn't you help me? Then why didn't you yeah, just say, yeah. I'm going to, I'm good at this. I'm going to help you. Let's go get some flowers together. Let's move these to the backyard or throw them out or like, why wasn't there a sense of kindness that was being met for my effort? And then, then I'm mad. But it's important, Kyle, for me to say that I have been on both sides of this. I have been on the side of not having the approval of people that I really, really wanted to like and to, and to see that I really loved their 
sons or brothers. But then on the flip side, I am also the product of a parent, my mother, who has never found that any partner I have ever had has been suitable. And the pressure that that has put, not just on me, but on that partner and that relationship then as a whole has been so insurmountably hard that now as a single person, I will openly say, and it drives her crazy to hear it, but I will openly say, you're going to have to pick the next one. I can't do this again. I did nine years with one and nine years with another, and it was just hard to handle. So you're going to have to pick it. And then it's like, oh, stop it, Jennifer. You're being cavalier. And it's like, no, I, I genuinely can't take the pressure. Has she verbalized like what is the perfect partner? Like, does she have this made up person <laughs> that like in the ready? Yeah, I she's she's certainly tried to de- to describe something. I mean, I fall to the fate that she really did like my college boyfriend. And I think that that harmed me because it set a precedent that they all might be like that. But I also have dated people who have not sought the approval of my mother. And that might have been the problem also, right? Like, like me, don't like me. I'm here to get the approval of your daughter while I date her. And I think that that might have been also the problem is that there wasn't, you know, a reciprocated desire for approval. But I don't know. I think she describes what might be the perfect partner for her based on the perfect version of me she would like me to be. Like, I think that that's how compounded and complicated this issue actually is. You know, I wonder if it has something to do. I think about this a lot about how we're always like the protagonists of our own stories. You know what I mean? Like we are always our own main character. And I find like that disapproval can often feel like all of a sudden you have been swapped from the main character to like a guest spot on a long running TV show. And it's like, I don't feel like I belong. Things seem off. Things seem weird. Why are these other people stopping for like laugh and applause breaks? Like, I just, I don't understand what's going on. I have to say the second option, like the people not approving of me would suck way more than the other way around, at least for me. Well, of course it would, because it's who's in control, who has power. Right. Sure. You're powerless when people don't like you. But when you don't like someone, you, you control all the power because yeah, I can the justify of your emotions. Yeah. yeah. Again, I am like the ultimate people pleaser. So like for me, it's like, but why? Why don't you like me? Like, let's unpack the reason here, because I am very likable, I think. So what is it that I'm doing that is not making you jive with me? Well, it's interesting that that's your approach, because for me, that's not my approach at all. I'm not like, let's try to uncover it. My immediate default setting is let me try as hard as I can. I don't need Mm -hmm. to unpack the reason why. I'm just going to work like a dog to get you to like me. Like, that's my deficit. But do you ever wonder why we care so much about approval? Like, why do we seek approval? Why does it matter? Well, I mean, the easy answer to that is like, we shouldn't. Like, we should just be able to live our lives and make our own choices. But I do believe that we as people, because we are communal creatures, crave that community. Like, that's why in ancient cultures, like, the worst thing that could be done is to be shunned from the group. Well, it was a catalyst to your survival. You couldn't yeah. survive. If you were ostracized from the group, you wouldn't survive. So I think that there is something like innate in us that it almost feels like we are being ostracized from like the main group. And so it's like, we're desperately like, oh no, no, like let me get back into the walls of Athens so that I can become part of like the group here again. I mean, it, it seems so cliche to say, but everyone likes to be liked, I think at some level. Validation is real. Right. We, yeah. we seek to be validated. I'm watching an entirely new generation. My niece is 21 and I'll watch her put out a Instagram post and then stress about the amount of likes. 
because it's oh my about God. validation, right? More power to you, I guess. I, that seems awful to me. but Oh God, hard pass here too. I get it. You tipped into it, but I got to ask you directly. Do you think it's worse to have a partner others don't approve of or to be the partner that others don't approve of? It's the second for me. Absolutely 100% the second would be worse to deal with. I feel like in the first, I could be somewhat of a mediator. Like I could maybe help soften that blow. I feel the opposite. I feel hmm. because then, Why? because the ability to, to turn the tide is on your side of the fence. These are your people, right? You can turn your people. So I feel like it's a worse position to be in because you're trying to convince your own people. You're trying to convince a stranger has an abstractness to it. Like you just met these people. You're just getting to know these people. But these people who have inherently known you, who are ingrained into who you are, who have been with you through tribulations and in certain cases raised you, I think it is in a terrible position to say, how do I convince you? Or how do I let go or extrapolate myself from the fact that you don't like this partner? I think it's far more helpless to be on the side of, of having a partner that your, your own people don't approve of than it is to be on the other side. Well, I'm curious to see what the folks at home thought about this. Yeah, who, who cares what we say? I want to know what you guys say. Exactly. So the website, of course, is somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's two ends with Jen. It is at somebody date on Twitter and then at somebody date JK on Facebook. So at the end of this week's episode, again, we're going to tell you what our upcoming theme is going to be. Hit us up up there so that we can share your stories here on the show. This week, what we got was a Twitter message. This is coming from Grant. And he said that I've dated someone that my family disapproved of. I personally have never been unloved by the family. They kind of went into a little bit more detail by saying that how they survived that relationship is that they just didn't talk to their own family for a couple of years. Although he puts in parentheses, though, there were other factors involved in that. Mm. So I would like to uncover maybe a little bit more about what that actually means. But I mean, that is potentially something that you'll have to do. And I mean, talking about same sex relationships, if you do have a family that is completely unsupportive of you being gay, bisexual, trans, whatever it might be, sometimes that is the heavy decision that you have to make that you are going to have to cut family out of your life. The only thing that I think about that is, I mean, certainly if it's about rejecting a person based on who they are, not who they date, right. that like, I think that that crosses a line. But I'm often nervous about couples that will have a family that doesn't support the partner and the, the response to the partner is to isolate them from the family. What I'm now officially calling Meghan Markling. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Terrible. Send your hate. Are we going to get a lot of people who love the Royals writing send, in now? Send your mail. Send your, listen, right. nobody loves the Royals more than me. But I do think that there was a part of part of the thing that made us uncomfortable was that rather than working within that system, her strategy was really to isolate her husband from that family. Now, I don't know how much he's complicit in it. I think that that will come out later you know, in probably six or seven tell-all books that they use to drive revenue once nobody cares about them. My opinion, sorry. But I I do think like this idea of like, let's go to California, let's be isolated, let's not talk to your family, let's only talk to Oprah, let's... Like this idea of isolating them, it almost provides validation to the family that their criticism was valid. I do believe not to the point where you do like what I did, which is lose all your dignity, but I do think that there's something to be said about trying to work within the system. Now, again, if it's about your lifestyle choices and how you choose to love and who you choose to love, that's one thing. But if it's about, listen, there's a few things that 
we just don't understand or we don't like this partner or maybe they're holding on to an old partner. I do think that there is it does become beholden upon the person to say, let me show you facets of me. And then if it continues to be dysfunctional and harming and, and very unkind, then you make a move. But I'm always nervous about the penchant or the desire immediately to isolate. I think this comes back to our old friend communication, right? We mentioned this almost every week. There does sometimes have to be that dialogue and that communication going back and forth. My trepidation a little bit there is that what that can sometimes tip into, if you are being discriminated against, now it's upon you to fix that broken system. And I think that's a little bit unfair. You know what I mean? So like, if it's like, we don't like you because you're dating, say like uh, someone who's black or Asian or First Nations, and that is what the driving issue is. I don't think it's upon that minority to then say like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take it upon myself to fix it. You're absolutely right. The other thing you have to think about is, and I think we don't talk about this enough when we talk about this issue is, Does your partner have your back? Mm. Not to harken back to my example, but I remember a very telling moment where my partner said, listen, they were my family long before you came. And if something happens with you, they'll be my family long after. And I was like, well, that probably gives me pretty clear rink boards around where I'm going to fit into this equation. And it was very isolating to appreciate that it wasn't a united front. I mean, it sounds to me like Grant has a united front, like they were in it together to look at the situation and say, this is not healthy for us. And we are together in the in the feeling that we need to be isolated from the stressor. There's nothing more lonely than, yeah, trying to take that stand and then finding that like you don't have someone that is there to help support you. And that might be going back to our last episode, a deal breaker that you're going to have to let them know about. I think how much would it be a deal breaker for you, Kyle, if you were in this position and you felt really isolated alone and you didn't have the support of your partner? Would that be a deal breaker? Or would you hang in there? Oh, boy. I am such a glutton for punishment. So I want to say, no, it's totally a deal breaker. But it would probably be like one of those things where I'd hang on for like three months and then be like, you know what? This isn't working for me. And of course, by three months, Kyle means three years. Correct. Yes. I actually got a second comment. And Sarah writes in and says, it depends for the reason they disapproved. I continue to date someone even knowing my mom disapproved. It was not a healthy relationship, but it certainly made it easier when I called it off. But she also wasn't super vocal about it because I was an adult, so I could ignore it. I think that 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 is something that we haven't touched on. That is actually really interesting is that if you do need to call it off, it becomes so easy for for your family who disapproves. So sometimes it's good. Again, I disagree. I disagree. Having been through it myself, do you know this word I'm using? Schadenfreude. It's when when something happens. The joy and the misfortune of others. The joy and the misfortune of others. And you certainly see it play out when a relationship, whether you've had to bite your tongue about it or not, ends. People cannot resist themselves to come out of the woodwork and say it is literally my least favorite thing, though, like on Twitter. Anytime like some bad news comes out about like an actor or director or something like that or a relationship ends and you'll always get those comments like knew it, didn't trust them anyways, thought this relationship wasn't going to last. Like, well, good for you. Like, what do you want a medal? Come on. I think it's I think it's a it's miserable. I've I've been on the other side of this where all of a sudden then all these people, not all these people, but people come out of the woodwork and they're like, "Oh, this is this one thing that happened once." And and then you realize not just did your relationship have pressure, but it also had this unknown pressure. Right? It had this unknown right. sort of everybody having like a Monday morning quarterback thought around it and as someone who works so hard not to do that, like I, I'm just trying so hard to be like, if you love this person, I, I remember 
my dear beloved aunt Janet used to have this thing that she said, if you love someone, you love the people that they love. And I remember even when she didn't like, she was trying so hard. She never let her guard down to say it took a lot for her to finally say, usually it would have to be a situation if there was abuse or, or, you know, drugs or it's an unsafe environment, then she would kind of step in and say, this isn't in your, this isn't in your best interest. And when it's not in your best interest, it's not in mine. But she really would try very hard. And I always respected her that then when that relationship would end, she never took the opportunity to go for the jugular to say, oh, I knew or I told you so or I have something to say. Because the, I think she recognized something that we often forget, which is that relationships can end and then they can restart. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. you want to be the person who is on the record. Like, I think that that's always the thing you have to be careful of. I've, I've yeah. seen this play out. You know what? This kind of reminds me of. It's almost a little bit of an inverse of this, but it, I also hated being in this experience, which is coming out with sexuality. And the times that I have come out to people, I actually hate the response of, oh, I know. I knew. I'm like, well, great. Like, that's not what I want right now. <laughs> I'm looking for validation. I'm looking for like celebration. I'm not looking for like, yeah, I know it already. Do you know what that is? That That is the process of making that event about them and not yeah, making yeah, yeah. that process about you. And approval ultimately is about trying to engineer a situation to make it about you. I, I realized that much later. And by much later, I mean right now. <laughs> like literally 20 seconds like, ago well, yeah, yeah. i am today years old when i figured that out you, right, you, right. you do have to really be mindful of that is that when you have a situation that occurs whether it's about approval or anything and you share something like you have an input and people look to make that input about themselves it's a way of taking away your power to generate more power to themselves to put them at the center of your narrative and that's psycho yeah that's that thing when like someone tells a story and then the response is like, I have a better story. Let me tell you this one. And it's not like a reciprocal thing. It's just like, no, I have a better story than that. Let me tell you this. I'm like, great. Well, remember <laughs> let's, when, let's buckle in. Remember when Kristen Wiig was on SNL and somebody would share, she had that recurring character where someone would share a piece of news. They'd be like, oh, I'm getting a boat. And she's like, I'm getting a boat and a pony. Well, I guess all I can say is that my tanning bed drives me to work so I can read the paper and have my coffee. And if I clap twice, all the dogs in the world get an extra wiener. And my dad's a chocolate chip cookie, so your dad is baked inside him. And when I want to relax, I shrink into a pot of soup and float around and use a celery stick as a raft. She'd she'd always have to one-up it, and people would say, like, you don't have to one-up it. You can just, I don't even think what you're saying is true. I always thought about that skit. It it had such cognitive dissonance because I knew people who did that, and it was always my greatest fear that I would be doing the same. My greatest fear is becoming a Kristen Wiig character. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know what Kyle looks like, it's important to note that speaking of SNL, Kyle looks strikingly like Bill Hader. Yeah, some other, someone else told me that, and I don't see it, but I have none of his talent, so that's oh, uh, good to know. But the mannerisms and the look, like the, well, I mean, people are looking at the cover of the podcast when they go to click on it to watch the yeah. latest episode, so they know what you look I like. I am mere years away of starring in a critically acclaimed HBO series. Want to go to the fishbowl? Let's do it. Go to the fishbowl. So we asked you to submit your questions around approval, and we got some really good ones. So here we go. Kyle, here's your keys back. Thank you. Um, what can I do? Oh, no. What can I do to earn approval to change someone's mind of me? You're not. <laughs> I don't like to be so glib, but I mean, it's kind of true. Like, as you've pointed out, Jen, the more you try extra hard, the more that feels like you are 
being desperate and people can smell desperation from miles upon miles away. <laughs> Approval in many ways is kind of like respect, right? I don't think that you are automatically owed respect. I think that you do earn that by your actions and how you conduct yourself. And so if you know and your partner has your back that you are doing the best, you are being kind, you are being empathetic, you are helping out when you can help out and there's still this like weird disapproval about it that's on them there's now not gonna be anything that you can do that's going to change their mind and then you have to decide if that if you care about that or not be authentic be consistent right you've got to be you you've got to be authentically you and you've got to consistently be you show them who you are and then just remember like if someone doesn't understand you or believe in you, I'm reading a quote now. If someone doesn't understand you or believe in you, that's their choice. But if you keep wanting their approval, that's your choice. Well, I think we don't make that very clear enough when we talk about our self-respect and our dignity, that if someone doesn't understand or believe in you, that is their choice. If you continue to go back to that well and try to get approval from there, that is your choice. You can hold no one to account but yourself if you continue to engage in that behavior. Well said. Okay, question two. How do, <laughs> if you can answer this, we're going to be best friends forever. Nice. How do I stop caring about the approval of others? <laughs> Someone read my mind, apparently. Maybe I put this in the fishbowl <laughs> without knowing it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, this is my own psyche. Like, I worked retail for over a decade. There are customers that I know that I mistakenly said the wrong thing to gave them the wrong advice that I think about weekly still. And it's from like really? over a decade ago and I still think about it. So that is how much I get into my own head about like people not liking me. I really want my 7-Eleven clerk to like me and I try so hard and they don't give me anything. Every morning they give me nothing in return. The irony of this conversation is hurting my feelings because if you've been following along with this podcast, you know that I have tried so hard to get Kyle to like me. And he gave me nothing, nothing, not an inch. I've never worked harder to get a person to like me as I did trying to get Kyle Marshall to like me. And now mm. here we're talking about in a parallel universe, Kyle trying to get a 7-Eleven clerk to like him. Dude, where is your situational awareness? I think you might be thinking of somebody else. I, I don't oh, recall no. that those interactions. Oh, no. I, I don't think so. So I guess, I mean, to really answer this question, how do I stop caring about the approval of others? I, to steal a quote from Nike, just do it. I mean, I think if it's one of those things where you can often, depending on your personality, get into those anxiety spirals where you just keep thinking it over and over and over again. You, you do those things where it's like, okay, just start focusing on like things in the room so you can like go tangible. It's like, okay, what is in this room that I can see? And you kind of just go through the room and talk about things that you can tangibly see. And that can usually calm you down so that you can like focus on what the actual issue is. Because the unfortunate part about this is that in some cases, there is nothing that you can do for someone to actually like, quote unquote, like you. It sucks, but I don't like there's I don't know how much more you can actually do unless you have a different answer. I think for people who really suffer with this, the advice of just just stop doing it feels so difficult. And, mm -hmm. and I know I've certainly received similar advice. I think the only way is through self-development and self-love. The more you like yourself, the more you can distance yourself from needing the approval of others. Approval of others is about validation. There's this old Hungarian proverb that says, if three people tell you you're a horse, buy a saddle. And sometimes <laughs> I think that approval can fall into the same bracket. 
if you are looking for other people to to for their approval, you are also looking to other people to define who you are. And the more you can get to know yourself and get to like yourself and get to fall in love with yourself and and be comfortable with being with you, I think the less important this issue of approval ultimately becomes. And I mean, maybe you'll maybe you'll chase it your whole life. For some people, maybe it's a work in progress for a long time. I think I may be uh, among them. But I think the the more you get to know yourself, I know for me, the more I get to know myself, the more what other people's opinion of me is becomes less important. I think that's a good point too. I think that this can sometimes dovetail into a lower sense of self, meaning that sometimes you are trying to seek that external validation because you don't have internal validation. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you can actually improve on, whether it's going to therapy or a plethora of like online resources that you can go to, to, to increase that. So I, you might want to even take a look at that. All right. Next question in the fishbowl. How do I make my partner choose? You want to take that line, line first? Well, I don't know what that means. How do I make my partner choose with what? Well, I think what they're trying to say with this vague question is how if a partner is coming to a position where they have to choose between the people that don't approve or the partner, how do I make my partner choose me? Man, this is so hard. I mean, again, because we're dealing with such generalities, it's hard sometimes to answer these questions. I know. Can you guys be more specific? So that yeah, we be can more specific you- when you write in. Um, I needed a lengthy backstory so that I can understand what's going on. Obviously. Yeah. Full character development, please. I think this is a recipe for disaster if you frame it that way, where it's like it's a me or them. Again, not necessarily talking about like supremely toxic individuals, but if it's a general sense of like disapproval and it's like, nope, line in the sand, you have to choose me only or them only. I think that's going to end in disaster. Totally. What I think you can do, though, is bring up when you do this, this is how I feel. It appears that you are choosing them over me and you're going to have to have that hash out that conversation together. That's uh, I don't know. How would you handle this? This is the danger zone. Totally. I think forcing up uh, forcing any ultimatum at any time. You will never see me advocate for an ultimatum ever. It never works out in your favor. And and I think the the biggest reason for that is because it removes away the self-efficacy and the choice and, and the fact that the other person has to get to that crossroad on their own, right? They have to get to that fork in the road on their own. And when you try to force the outcome, it's never genuine and it's rarely in your favor. It never, ever, ever works out. So how do I make my partner choose? You don't. You don't. You make a decision for what's working with you. Decide if it's a deal breaker. Make a decision for yourself. Own your own mm-hmm. experience. I like it. Okay, last question, and I'm going to admit I have no idea how to answer it. So okay. it's up to it's up to you, Kyle. How do you deal with cultural boundaries and a hard no? I would recommend watching the movie The Big Sick, where this is the exact thing that happens in that movie. Or Crazy so Rich would, Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. So I would recommend becoming a really good comedian. <laughs> and then the other person gets really sick and you help nurse them back to health and the family sees how good of a person you are. Yes, you so need it's a, a well-documented well meet cute. There needs to be a whole dialogue. If there's a Bollywood dance at the end, even better, I think that that, that does work. Uh, no, I mean, again, I, you, you have to honor that. Like in some cultures, you're right. Like That is supremely important. And just like Monopoly, like you don't get to pass go in those situations and you kind of have to be okay with that. You have to recognize how big the cultural barrier is. You have to recognize Mm -hmm. how quintessential it is 
to their culture. And again, this comes from a great partner who will guide you through this, right? I, I don't know. I feel outside of my depth to answer this because it's about a cultural thing. And I feel yeah. I'm getting dangerously close to having to check some sort of a privilege, but I'd be great. I'd be interested to know someone to actually answer this on Twitter. Yeah. Like right in. If you have had that situation happen, definitely write in. I mean, the other thing you could do is just become supremely rich and then who cares? <laughs> you think that that's a factor? You think that if you have enough money that that can cover it? It can. I, th- I think you it think could. So? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think if, if somebody's hell bent not to like someone, I don't think you can buy it off. If I had Jeff Bezos money, I'm pretty sure I could get past any <laughs> anything at that point. I think at some point Jeff Bezos is sitting in a room with someone and somebody's being like, I don't know, doesn't have a lot of hair. Like, I just think that there's something very human would be happening there. I think what does need to be said, though, for this fishbowl segment here is that these are questions that we just want you to to send in. If you have a question, whatever it might be, please go to our website and submit whatever questions you have. Right on our website, somebody date Jen and Kyle, Jen with two N's.com and look for the fishbowl. Yeah, big old fishbowl. You ask a question, we're going to figure out what to do with it. What's next? You know, we said at the very beginning how unqualified we are to give advice. And True. our next segment, of course, is unqualified advice. This is when we go out into the wide web of looking at other people giving advice and selecting times when we don't think that the person who gave advice may know what they're talking about. So this week, Jen, this comes from a Slate article published in July of 2021. So very recently here. And they published this advice column about a same sex couple getting married while dealing with the disapproval of their parents. So the Cliff's Notes version of this is it's two women getting married. One partner's parents have actually passed away, but were atheists. The second partner's parents are very devoutly religious and disapprove of their daughter being in a same-sex relationship in the first place and how they should be able to work with these parents in order for them to start to accept their relationship and really accept their wedding that is upcoming. Anyways, the advice was bogus, so we want to we get into it here a little bit more. How would you approach this, Jen? You know, my heart broke reading this, reading mm-hmm. this article because the only thing that became super apparent to me was that this is about their lived experience. And this is them planning a wedding, which is a time to learn about each other and be mm-hmm. excited about building a future together and 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 coming together and 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 planning for a day that really you do commemorate and remember for the rest of your life or for the rest, in my case, the rest of the time that you choose to be married. What I got from it was that you had this this couple who were very committed to each other, but they were equally committed to trying to convince people to support and buy into their way of life at the cost of their lived experience of planning this wedding. It really felt heartbreaking to me to see that they they faced two choices, you know, door number one to, to plan this special event and, and to plan for their life together or door number two to do some planning, but focus a lot of energy and resources on trying to bring people over to their point of view. The bullshit advice around like, you know, keep trying and keep going. It, I, I thought was really ill-placed because mm-hmm. I think that there needed to be a moment where they said, this is what we are. This is what we believe. This is what we aspire to have. And I think it's meaningful and worthwhile and positive and healthy. Are you in or are you out? And it's not an ultimatum about can we have a relationship going forward or not? It's about saying, where are you at? Because we're taking a very special time in our relationship and we're not making it about us. We're making it about you. Well, that, that's, and I don't know if this is like an unpopular opinion or not, 
I I tend to think that in at least Western culture, this would ruffle just a few feathers. But in a wedding, for me, it's about the couple. It's not really about anybody else. Oh, that's like, so and, charming. That's so charming. As someone who's, I know. who's been married, it is not. It is not, ab- it is not about the couple. It is about the entire ecosystem around a man and a woman getting married. Let me, or, or a woman and a woman, like who, the yeah. married couple getting married. But what I'm trying to say is that's bullshit. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So you're with me. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that trying to fix this relationship in the run-up to your wedding is kind of the wrong thing to be focusing on. The The thing to be focusing on is wedding planning, making sure that day is the way that you want it to be as much as possible. If you want to work on the relationship with their with your partner's parents, great, do that. But I don't think that has any bearing on the wedding itself. I totally agree. I just think that these this particular moment in your life, every moment is a memory. And you risk looking back at this series or catalog of memories and having it not being about the joy and the love and the momentum toward a new future, but the but the inertia of the the oppression that comes with seeking approval. I just felt like there there should have been better advice, our unqualified advice to say I think that there needs to be a more dynamic discourse here to say, this is where we're at. Let's have it where you're at and let's figure out how we go forward because this endless carpet of trying to to convince you or win you over is putting resources in the wrong spot. Tell her parents to go pound sand. That's what I say. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. Or just do a cop. I'm sure that will go over super well. You know, Jen, that brings us to the end of another one of these podcasts. We do want you to get involved. We want to hear from you as much as possible. There are a bunch of different ways for you to do so. You can go to our website, like we said, which is somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. You can hit us up on Twitter at somebodydate or Facebook at somebodydatejk. You can give us any stories that you have. Uh, Next week's question, though, to get prepared and to send in those questions and that feedback, we're going to get super deep. We're going to be talking about dating and mental illness. Yeah, we are going to get deep, but we've we've heard from listeners that they this is something that they're asking questions about. So mm-hmm. if you are someone with mental illness in the dating space and you have questions or you are dating or in a relationship with someone with mental illness, if you have a question, we want to hear it. So please share. Like Kyle said, the podcast socials, uh, we want to we want to hear from you. If you ask it, we'll answer it cool well kyle that wraps up another friday night thanks for joining me and thank you to everyone who joined us tonight we'll see you next friday good luck out there bye